The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to another week of Leach Report shows from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Lexington. As the Wildcats improved to 3-0 and in the SEC with an impressive performance on Saturday down in Florida. We'll talk about that with Tom Hart from ESPN and the SEC Network. Uh, we'll talk with Lee K. Howard from WKYT-TV. Also, we'll talk some UK football with Jeremy Jarman. Uh, so that's our guest lineup for today as we roll into the Wildcat news of the day. And Kentucky wins at Florida 76-58. to shooting 56% from the field. It was just a a couple of tenths below their best shooting performance of the season in the opener against Moorhead. They shot 59% on two-point shots. Uh, We mentioned uh, during the broadcast on Saturday that Kentucky was shooting 46% on two-point shots. And Calipari's teams typically... The, the one exception was the 2011 team that was much more three-point oriented. Typically, they get, uh, well, over about 60% of their points on two-point shots. And then they get a lot of points on free throws. And this team was not shooting well on the twos and was not getting to the line a lot. And so they've gotten to the line more lately and made more in these last two games. And this was uh, very encouraging to see them shoot so well uh, and a lot of it was they got shots closer to the basket with Keon Brooks not only making six out of six, but uh, he had four assists and a couple of beautiful ones. Um, one on a post pass from the wing to Olivier Saar that was like when Tim Couch used to throw that swing pass to Anthony White and lead him up the field with the pass uh, and keep his momentum going. Uh, that's what Brooks did with that bounce pass to Saar. And then he had another uh, nifty one to hit Mintz on a backdoor cut. So Keon had 12, 6, and 4 in the game. Kentucky uh, outscored Florida in points off turnovers 25 to 14. And there were two big points of emphasis for Kentucky uh, defensively going into this game. I watched the practice on Friday, and they worked on this for for a long, long time. Uh, Cal first told them that the biggest thing was going to be transition defense. So only uh, 14 points off turnovers for the Gators. Uh, I think they had something like five fast break points. The other thing was their pick-and-roll defense. Pick-and-roll, big part of what the Gators do with their guards. They have four guards, uh, and they combined to make five of 15 shots in the game. Uh, and They collectively average about 48 a game, I think, and uh, they were uh, less than half of that in this game. Florida averaged 81 points a game coming in, shooting 49% from the field. They scored 58 points and shot 37 7.5. So just a stellar performance by the Wildcats and sets up showdown tomorrow night with Alabama and the battle of the only two teams that have perfect records in SEC play so far. Uh, so we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Kentucky has picked up another player for next season, although he'll be able to enroll now and go through practices. He's uh, Oscar Shubway, who's transferring in from West Virginia, a player that Kentucky recruited hard and ended up as the runner-up to West Virginia. He's 6'9", 260. Uh, he tweeted out a, a picture of himself in a Kentucky blue number 34 jersey. 
and uh, he can should be able to play from the start of next season with the the new rules that uh, should be in place. But for now, he'll be able to enroll and start practicing. Uh, I don't know if it's as early as today or not. If not, then soon, and be able to uh, help Olivier Saar uh, in practice, giving him more, you know, a, a physical kind of player to go up against, like teams are. Um, trying to play Olivier, and so that should help Olivier uh, handle that kind of play even better. The U.K. women yesterday uh, lost to number 5, South Carolina, 75-70. Good game. Uh, number 10, Kentucky had an 8-point lead uh, late latter stages of the third quarter, but South Carolina went on, I think it was a 9-0 run at the end of the third quarter to get in front. Uh, they moved ahead <coughs> Excuse me, by like 8 with two or three minutes to play. Kentucky stormed back, and Ryan Howard had a shot in the air that would have given Kentucky the lead in the final minute. Uh, It missed, and South Carolina hangs on to win. Uh, Howard finished with 32 for Kentucky. Uh, The national championship game tonight, Alabama favored over Ohio State to win another national title for the Crimson Tide. Uh, uh, If uh, Justin Fields is healthy, then uh, it could be quite an entertaining game. Um, I don't know that uh, Alabama wins big, but um, I think Alabama uh, does win in the uh, matchup with Ohio State tonight. Uh, U.K. players uh, knelt uh, during the playing of the anthem uh, prior to the game. Problem, uh, I know, for some fans. Uh, Cal explained it after the game, and the players talked about it, too, that they wanted to make a statement, and so they did it uh, collectively as a team after talking about it. Beyond that, I don't know if there's anything that uh, you can add that is likely to change many opinions. Uh, I think you can respect the flag and the players' feelings as well, uh, which um, they uh, did, again, collectively uh, as a a team on Saturday. Uh, NBA, big weekend for some Kentucky guys. Tyrese Maxey had 39 in his first start. For the Sixers, uh, Tyler Hero had 31 on Saturday. Shea Gilgis Alexander is really playing well right now. He had a 31 point game yesterday for OKC. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at tomleachky.com. Tom Hart joins us when we return. It's the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY. To the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline, we bring on Tom Hart from ESPN and the SEC Network. A lot of hoops to talk about, but first, does Bama get the title tonight against the Buckeyes? Hey, Tom. Yeah, I think they do. Um, You know, Ohio State's weakness, if they have any, and it's kind of hard because it's such a small sample size for them. Their their secondary isn't what it's been in the past, and and I know it's all relative. It's a great program, obviously, Um, and we know how good Mac Jones has been. We know they've got the Heisman winner at, at wide receiver. Uh, yeah, I think I think Alabama finds a way to score points. Oddly enough, I think I was just putting some thought into the game this weekend. It's probably a slow starting game from an offensive standpoint. You know, um, I could see that happening, but uh, you can't you can't keep Alabama slowed down for for very long. Wouldn't think so with uh, all the weapons they have at their disposal. Uh, well, Kentucky looked like a, uh, finally a bit of an offensive juggernaut on Saturday. Um, you saw them on Tuesday against uh, Vandy. What do you make of the reversal of form here? Great offense, uh, inspired defense. Uh, we heard Cal, I think it was 
I was at practice a couple days. I think it was at the shoot-around, and you would have heard it too, where he said, if we don't make mistakes on defense, we can shut anybody down. And That's a really good offensive team, Florida. Um, hell of the 29 points each half, I think that's, that's going to be important for Kentucky. Kentucky's put up good offensive numbers, I'm uh, sorry, defensive numbers over the course of the season. Um, it's just a little bit different in conference play. You know, you, you have to get stops at key moments, and I thought that was good. Uh, th- there are so many positives for Kentucky. The one that really jumped out at me was BJ Boston. And specifically, if you drill down into, into his game, they really want him and need him to get to the free throw line. That that could be a strength of his game, and he was able to do that. He knocked down all of his free throws, got there six times. Um, he he still isn't very efficient offensively, so he's going to have to get fouled to be more efficient on the offensive end. And I thought that was just um, a good all around game for BJ, given everything that he's been through. Yeah, it was nice to see him uh, smiling after the game. Um, he. Um, to me, I was—I mentioned this to Mike. I can't remember if it was off the air on uh, at, uh, as the game was going on. That uh, for BJ, he can—he's not a, a great defender yet, but he does have a nice knack for off the ball, going for steals, shooting a passing lane. So get a bucket or two that way. Get a bucket or two on offensive rebounds. He's uh, had a, a tendency to find his way to those. Get to the line six, seven, eight times, and. Right there gets you right around double figures. And then, sure. you know, you make a couple of drives, oh, take a couple of threes. And if you make one, then, you know, if you happen to make two, you get up to a 20 point game. That's kind of his formula for scoring, it would seem. I also believe, and, and not just to drill in uh, to one guy, but I also believe that defense is, um, is very much, a, a, you know, especially man to man defense. Um, you can catch fire defensively. You know, you can gain confidence. You can be a confident defender. And if what you're talking about, jumping in the passing lanes, getting a steal here or there, can give him more confidence in the defensive end, the way Cal was thinking about him before the season was he could be a lockdown defender on the other team's point guard because of his length. And so if he can continue to gain confidence on the defensive end, which I certainly think is possible, then I could see that happening in the back half of conference play. Cal praised uh, Dante Allen's uh, defensive work after the game. He's not going to be the lockdown guy, but he just needs to be able to play well enough on the defensive end to uh, be able to justify staying in the game. The other thing he does is he finds his way to some defensive rebounds. Yeah, I think with with, with Dante, it's not necessarily an effort thing. You're right. You've got to be – you only have to be a little bit better on the defensive end to justify your time on the floor, but it's also being in the right place, knowing exactly what you're doing from a team perspective. And there are a couple times in the Vandy game where he got lost on the defensive end within the scope of what Kentucky was trying to do, and you just can't have those breakdowns, especially when your assignment, more often than not, was, uh, especially in the first half, was Scottie Pippen Jr., who we saw had a remarkable game. I, I was really impressed with the way he played on Tuesday, so... Um, it's it's playing defense within the scope of what you're being asked to do and knowing the defensive plays just as well as you know the offensive plays. Yeah, it's, uh, to get back to football, defense is a lot uh, at times like an offensive line. And, you know, if one guy moves the wrong way, it's like the band member that makes the wrong turn. It's real noticeable. <laughs> 
Yeah, that will ruin your parade real fast if the super guy takes the left and everybody else takes the right. Yeah, it's like that old joke of one of somebody in some commercial a few years ago. It was like, uh, uh, Mom wondered why the rest of the band members turned the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, we're going to get to a quick break. 21 after the top of the hour. One more segment with Tom Hart when we come right back. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Tom Hart with us from ESPN and the SEC Network. Kentucky Bama tomorrow night. Do you have this one? I do not. No, I've got uh, Florida and Ole Miss tomorrow night. Well, let, give me your thoughts on uh, this matchup. I watched Alabama and Auburn on, on Saturday. Uh, it was a very entertaining game. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's whatever Kentucky stressed to defend the three-point line on Saturday against Florida, they got to take it to a whole other level on Tuesday night. Yeah, I was surprised looking up some of Alabama's numbers. They're actually they're not a great three-point shooting team but they make up for some of that inefficiency by just shooting a ton of them. I mean, at every corner, every tempo, and and they will run and run fast. They're one of the five fastest teams in the country in terms of time of offensive possession. Um, So they were were really, really impressive. And I think what's lost in all of that is you think about them being an um, up-tempo, three-point reliant team, and you can lose fact, side of the fact that, that Herb Jones is a real strength for them inside. He does so many different things. Defensively, he's good for them. Offensively, he's great. I think he had five and double figures and, and three with 19 or more in that game. They won 94-90. Um, Auburn, by the way, looked a lot better than they have all season. Yes, they did. They, they got, yeah, they got Sharif Cooper running the point, and he made some mistakes, as you would expect in his first game back, but... I believe he was their leading scorer, and he just got them to play at a much different pace. Now, in this game, Alabama had a couple chances in early second half and, and late second half at about the five-minute mark where you thought, all right, well, they're just going to blow this thing out and, and end up winning by 12. And I don't know exactly why they weren't able to do that. I think they were a much better team all around than Auburn. They they certainly let Auburn hang around a little bit. So, um I'm not ready to say that while they're undefeated, I'm not ready to say Alabama's the best of the SEC. Um, I think Tennessee still is the best, but I think Alabama is a very complete team that can beat you in a lot of different ways. Yeah, they were impressive in uh, their win over Tennessee. I didn't get to see it, but just uh, saw the uh, the numbers. That that was uh, quite an impressive score. Yeah, they shot the lights out. You know, they they... they any given night, and, and Petty had a magnificent game against Tennessee, because they shoot it with such proficiency, and um, I shouldn't say proficiency, but they shoot it with, with, you know, with such pace. They play with such pace. And Nate Oates, that's what he did at Buffalo. Uh, took over Bobby Hurley's teams, who played fast, turned, it up, turned the dial up, played even faster. And he had better athletes in the back than most of his opponents. So it was even... Um, even more efficient than, than what you would expect because of the tempo. So he wanted to do that last year, just didn't have the right team. And, and now he's got the right team to do so. Javon Quinterly, I don't think, played against Auburn. Um, but the transfer guard from Villanova is really, really good. 
he's got guys that are now more comfortable in this in this system with the pace they play, with the tempo, and they they want to get up and down the floor. There is no such thing as as going too fast, and because he gives his guys so much freedom. There's really no such thing as a bad shot within his offense. He doesn't care because they're going to get another possession. Their guys aren't selfish because they know there's plenty of shots to go around because they're going to have so many possessions within a game. What do you make of how Keon Brooks will change Kentucky moving forward? I was so incredibly impressed with the way he played on Saturday. Um, The size, the ability to get to the rim, to get down the lane. Um, he brings a calmness on the offensive end. He knows where he's supposed to be. He's another threat on the defensive end, especially as a shot blocker and just as a as a rim protector. You know, he played, Tom, he played like a guy who's been in the program for four years, and we know he's the only one coming back with experience, but it just shows uh, the value of experience, not just under John Calipari, um, but in the league. You know, to know what to expect in the league, um, I, I was really impressed. Um, those of us that have been in practice have seen him practicing. We haven't seen him, you know, and he's doing calisthenics and he's working with the athletic training staff and the conditioning staff on the side, uh, strength and conditioning staff. I, I didn't know that he'd be able to go that long, um, but he certainly seems perfectly healthy from a big-picture standpoint. And he, he changes the team. He changes the balance on the floor. He brings leadership. He brings a sense of coldness. Um, he's, he was as influential as I could have imagined in just that one game, and I would expect that to continue. You hoped, as a, if you're a Kentucky fan, that what you saw in his last performance last season would be where he'd pick up and, and build on that and certainly look like that's a realistic expectation. Yeah, not always not always fair to expect, right? Um, right. Especially with not just the long layoff, but a layoff unlike anything basketball has been through before, or any of these players have been through before. But um, you know, I was I was incredibly. I, I don't know how many minutes did he end up playing. Have to look. I want to say it was mid twenties. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's about as good as you can expect the first time out. You know, I, I haven't seen him limited physically in the practices that I've been able to watch. And so I, I figured he could slide right in and be able to play. I just, I've always thought there's a difference between, you know, practice conditioning, shooting on the side on yourself, working with the training staff, and in game conditioning. Tom, um, got to run. See, got to see the impact of that. Because Thank you. Play 24 minutes, by the way. Thank you for doing this, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Jeremy Jarman coming up next. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. From the Clark's Pop and Shop studio, it is our Monday edition of The Leach Report. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Jeremy Jarman. You heard him all season long with Dusty Bonner and Christy Thomas on the Countdown to Kickoff shows on the UK Football Network. Uh, I know, Jeremy, you were probably as, as happy as, uh, as Jeff and Gabe and I were to see those guys get to celebrate. Every football team had a, a rough year with all the COVID stuff, but these guys had more on their plate, and uh, it was fun to get to see them play well and celebrate a third straight bowl win. It was fun, and obviously sending off the, uh, the seniors uh, on a high note, sending off the guys who transferred and, uh, and graduated on a high note, and just being able to just have fun. Uh, 
you know, during the game, which was evident, Tom, and, and, and probably after the game, which there's probably no evidence of any of those shenanigans, but those guys deserve the opportunity to be able to just kind of uh, relax and, and, uh, and spend some time, some good downtime, and uh, so happy uh, for them, so happy for the seniors and the young guys who fought so hard uh, to send the upperclassmen off uh, off to the NFL and off to graduation and things like that with the, uh, with the win against a quality opponent in North Carolina State. We have seen uh, almost completed now, I guess, the list of guys that have decided to enter the NFL draft and get on that path or to come back for another year. I guess Chris Rodriguez might be the one that we haven't heard from yet. But from the ones you've heard from going and staying, anybody that was a big surprise to you? <laughs> I really would have liked to have seen uh, Jamin Davis come back, but I get his decision. I mean, he had a he had a, an excellent season, uh, so you really can't fault him there. But obviously, Kennard coming back, uh, that's really surprising. I, I guess that I guess that the, the feedback that he got must have been very significant for his decision. Uh, and I'm guessing that that he knows that maybe coming back, losing a little bit of weight, uh, and also taking into consideration that this offense, uh, the offense that the, the, that UK is going to be running next year, it will require him probably to lose a few pounds and uh, and, and things like that. So, uh, and also the pass blocking aspect, get an opportunity to really be able to kind of showcase that a little bit more. Um, and and he probably has expectations that he's going to be one of the top two offensive linemen off the board next season. You think he could? I was going to say, do you think he could slide over and be a left tackle? You know, that's a good question. And I think uh, I think with weight loss, and I think with with an off season of training, uh, I think that it's very possible that he could probably slide over and become a left tackle. But at three hundred and forty pounds, uh, there's only a handful of guys in the NFL that can play left tackle with that kind of weight and, and especially uh you know with some of the offenses that uh that the that the NFL that they're running, he needs to be a little bit leaner to be able to do that, Tom. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL influence now on this uh staff. Brad White um came from the NFL to now be Kentucky's defensive coordinator and then the two latest hires, the new running backs coach and the new O. C both come directly from the NFL, from the Bengals and the Rams, respectively. Um, what do you think about these latest additions and the NFL influence? Yeah, I think the NFL influence is significant, and uh, and 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 I think that it really grabs the attention uh, of young players, uh, without a doubt. Uh, Coach Singleton, he seems I, I really like his energy and his personality. Obviously, his physique too, as well. <laughs>
they haven't shown the ability yet to be able to develop the quarterback. And I think what Liam brings is, is that with this system, it will be easier for quarterbacks to be able to make big plays if you're able to keep having the success that they've had in the run game over the last four seasons. And, and that's the design of Liam's system is, is off the play action, you have to honor the play action to some extent. The offensive line up front, if they're good actors, but they're also if they're good football players, they can really sell it. And the Rams, uh, guys like Trent Williams, left tackle for the 49ers, he sells the play action and he sells the run read as good as it, it looks the same. And when you're a linebacker, you're a defensive lineman, you get sucked in there, it's hard to convert uh, on players as talented as Trent. And I know Trent played against, practiced against Trent and, uh, you know, Sean McVay. I understand those offensive principles. And I think that the, with the quarterbacks that are coming back, they're going to have an opportunity uh, to really buy into the system. And, and I think it's going to be a great quarterback competition this spring. The way Kentucky has run the ball, it's it's been surprising that they haven't been able to have more success in the vertical passing game. Really, that first year with Steven Johnson, they hit a lot of deep shots. Uh, you think you know, some of the ones they hit in the in the game that went over Louisville. But um, hopefully they can uh, marry those two because they ought to go together well. Tom, we've had a lot of success offensively the past uh, several years under Eddie Grant. There are some things you know, from a from a schematic standpoint that I disagreed with, you know, with Eddie. And, you know, as a media person, I asked him back in the preseason, I asked him if we would see the quarterback under center this year. And Eddie's response to me was he liked the pistol. There are times that the pistol is, is great for quarterbacks, but there are times that you need to put your quarterback under center and you need to be able to get linemen to jump off sides and get free plays for your young quarterbacks. You can't do that out of the pistol. And we saw in this bowl game, we saw three, maybe four free plays that we got just taking advantage of, you know, lack of crowd noise and those kind of things. But free plays are tremendous. Getting your quarterback under center, selling the run, sell, or handing the ball off, and being able to fake the handoff, and it looks exactly like the run play, those are big aspects. Those are advantages that you can take advantage of. Those are things you can take advantage of uh, when, when your run game is going well. And I just felt like in the pistol that there were limitations, and we weren't able to take advantage of some of the things that, you know, when you watch the Rams and I started watching some game pass, they're so good at the play action. It is, it, it is, it is exciting. And, and I know that those players are going to be uh, very excited to get in and start working with the new O.C. Alabama, Ohio State in the national championship game. Uh, who you got? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it'll be Bama. I mean, there's a there's a bias there. Obviously, being an SEC guy, uh, but it should be a fun one, right? Who you got? Yeah, I would have to take Bama too. Having uh, seen them in person, they uh, are overwhelming uh, offensively, and um, I think Ohio State's really good offensively too. Um, but uh, I don't know that either team is is capable of shutting the other one down. So uh, I think Alabama's overall offensive game, the, the weapons that they have, that's that's quite uh, quite a one-two punch there with Najee Harris and Devontae Smith. I will say this. If, if Chase Young, if he wasn't with the Washington football team, uh, he would give them a chance to win tonight just because yeah. he is that fun. 
of, a, of an edge rusher. That's a good point. Uh, but with Knight coming off that edge, I, I don't think uh, I don't think <laughs> I don't think the quarterback Jones. I don't think he's going to be worried too much. Uh, Tom, enjoy it, Jeremy. I will. I will. Good talking to you, Tom. It is a former Wildcat great, Jeremy German, joining us here on the Leach Report. Served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We will be right back. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Back to the Kentucky HempWorks.com online. And Lee K. Howard joins us from WKYT-TV. Uh, we just uh, chatted with Jeremy Jarman uh, on What's your take, Lee Kay, on the uh, announcements of guys that are headed to the draft and those that are not? Any big surprises for you? I, I don't think any big surprises, Tom. Um, I think the most recent one, Jamin Davis, was kind of expected after the year that he had. Um, you know, I, I think we're still waiting to hear about Chris Rodriguez. Um, and I don't know if he's already made his decision or if he just hasn't made that public yet. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, either way, if he decided to come back and try to uh, flourish in this new offense or if he decided that uh, he was going to try his hand at the NFL. So I think he's probably the only one that has a decision. Um, I, I apologize. I didn't hear Jeremy's interview, but I think Darian Kennard coming back uh, was huge because uh, he's certainly yes. the guy that – was that could have gone, uh, and nobody would have blamed him for going. But um, I, I do think Darian coming back was maybe a little bit of a surprise. But, you know, everything that I heard leading up to his announcement was that he was going to come back. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a good a good situation for those guys. Probably about as good of a situation that the uh, coaching staff could have hoped for as far as uh, guys deciding to return. As I understand it, correct me if I'm uh, wrong if you know differently, that the players, the feedback they get from the NFL is either first round, second round, or other, basically. I forget what the, how they actually list it. Right. Yeah, and I don't know exactly either, but I do know it's basically they, they don't tell them exactly which round you're going to go in unless you're kind of a guaranteed first rounder. Um, you know, Darian said himself on the, on the press conference, the feedback he received was second or third round. Um, so I think they kind of gave him a gauge. If you're not, you know, a guy that um, they project to go in the first round, it's a little less, it's a little more vague information. I mean, we saw Josh Allen with the same thing. You know, he could have left and he would have been uh, second, third, fourth rounder and decided to bet on himself and come back. And obviously I think he was like the seventh overall pick or something like that. So um, I just, I think Darian is doing the same thing. And, and you know, he said as much when um, he kind of had made his announcement um, he said that he spoke to Josh Allen and, and you know, watching what Josh did and, and getting information from Josh um, really kind of helped inspire his decision. And the other thing that Darian said that I enjoyed was, you know, he, he's close to his mom. I mean, I believe that's who he grew up with, was with, with his mom. And, and he basically said, I want to be able to, you know, take, take care of my mom from the jump, I believe is how he put it, instead of, you know, waiting till my next contract to make that kind of money or something like that. So uh, the kid's got his, his mind uh, in the right place, and, and there's no reason to believe that he can't uh, move into that first round after another good season. And for, for some guys, there is – for Darian, you can see where there is uh, a lot of uh, 
upside there to tap into financially uh, where if he goes into the first round, it's a huge difference for some guys. And Benny was like this when, when he made his decision. He had one year, he one more year he could have played, but it probably, it likely wasn't going to make much difference to, depending on, or, because of how the NFL looked at him and running backs in general, that it wasn't going to, to change much. He'd had a tremendous year. Jamin Davis may have you know looked at it the same way. Right, and, and a lot of that has to do with position. Like you mm-hmm. said, I mean, offensive linemen um, are valuable. I mean, really valuable. I'm not breaking any news here. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, and, and with his athletic ability, uh, Darian's athletic ability, um, it's it's already there. So, you know, he, you know, gets sheds a few pounds, um, shows a little more. I think he's even more of a, of, of a valuable asset to Kentucky this year. I think that'll show even in the box score this year. Um, he, he does have an opportunity to improve his draft stock. I, I cannot tell you honestly what the offensive lineman um, class looks like for this next year, but you've got to believe that he got some information that just even the numbers um, of guys that maybe he might be competing with for draft uh, draft spots might be lower. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that uh, Stoops uh, and, the, and the staff did a really good job of getting him the information that he needed. And, and uh, you know, it's probably going to work out in the long run for Darian, and it's certainly going to work out this next season for Kentucky. Uh, you cover a lot of high school sports in your role at uh, KYT, and I'm sure you covered Dante Allen a bit. Uh, down at Pendleton County, and he yeah. had quite a, a, an explosive breakout down at Mississippi State, followed it up with a strong performance against Vandy. On Saturday, once he made those two, he was basically wearing Scotty Lewis the rest of the day and uh, might be the same way with uh, Herb Jones of Alabama tomorrow night. But the thing I liked about uh, Dante's game, he wasn't hunting shots. In fact, I thought he passed out, passed up an open three to move in closer, and I'd rather see him take the three. Um, But um, he was taking what was open and didn't force anything. So I I like the way he's handling this. Yeah, and, you know, that's what they needed from him. And you made a good point. Scotty Lewis, who basically did nothing in the game, I don't think he scored a field goal until the second half. Yes, Um, Part of that could have been because of Dante. He, he was so concerned with playing defense on Dante that his game didn't flow like it normally does. I mean, Scotty Lewis is one of the better players in the SEC, uh, you know, five-star guy coming out of high school. But that's what they need from Dante. I, I think I still think there will be games where he might lead them in scoring or be the second guy in scoring, uh, and there will be other games where he scores six points, but he affects the offense because – um, the defense has to honor what he's doing. Um, you know, you spoke about him in high school. I remember uh, very distinctly uh, the second time that I got to see uh, Dante play at Pendleton County. It was a game. Um, it wasn't at Pendleton County, but they were on the road. And I remember thinking, and he'd already committed to Kentucky, and I remember thinking, this kid is not just a kind of a token, uh, hey, he's from Kentucky and he's pretty good. Let's put him on the team. I thought, this kid's a scorer. I mean, he is, you know, in a way, and I don't mean this badly, but in the way that Dominique Hawkins was just a hustler. I mean, he was just, he could do a lot of different things, but scoring wasn't necessarily his forte. You know, but he was on the team and he added to the team. Dante, from the time he was in high school, I thought, this kid is a scorer, and he's going to be able to score even at the level of Kentucky basketball. And, and he has certainly proven that over the last couple of games, and, you know, I, I, him, along with Keon, added to the mix 
has completely changed the the offensive game for the Wildcats, and so that's certainly encouraging to see. A couple of listeners asked basically the same question, Rick and Gene, now that Brooks is back and then Clark will be coming back at, at some point in the not-too-distant future, one would think. Mm-hmm. Could uh, Kentucky go back to some kind of 10-man rotation or a platoon? And I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think it'll be... Yeah, the platoon is dead. Yeah, I think it's more like, you know, probably eight-and-a-half-man uh, rotation, depending on circumstances. Yeah, you know, the platoon worked so well that season. But then I think Calipari took uh, quite a beating on the recruiting trail uh, the next couple of years when everybody tried to recruit against him by saying, you're only going to play half the game because he's going to platoon you. So, uh, But you're right. Um, the the eight-man rotation or having 11 to 12 guys that can play is certainly a better situation than what you had last year when you had seven guys that could play. So um, there's a way to have that many guys on the roster and play everybody, and, you know, I mean, I don't think platooning is going to happen, but you're right. When you add Terrence Clark to the mix that they already have, uh, suddenly foul trouble doesn't matter as much. Um, you know, a guy having an off night doesn't matter as much. And so, yeah, there's there's plenty of ways. And many teams around the country use all, you know, every one of their scholarships and play a lot more guys than what Calipari has uh, traditionally played. So uh, Cal will figure out how to how to get that rotation up to nine uh, eight, nine, maybe ten guys some nights. Lee K, thank you much. All right, thanks, Tom. Lee K. Howard, WKYT TV. We'll be right back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Time for word of the day in Wildcat history, presented by the new Rave On app, and in 2011. Kentucky was coming off a loss to Georgia on the road in the SEC opener and bounced back on this day to beat Auburn 78-54, to and they did it with Terrence Jones' highest-scoring game as a cat. He poured in 35 in the Kentucky victory over Auburn. Uh, tomorrow, a lot of talk about the big matchup between the Cats and the Crimson Tide, two undefeated teams in the uh, SEC, the only two right now. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Have a good day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on...